another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high-stakes speed bumps and off-ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell and Corey Frank from Branch 49. If you're not curious, you're not going to be a good sales rep. That's the well-considered opinion of our Market Dominance Guys guest, Elena Hess, Vice President of Operations at Thomson Reuters, Tax and Accounting Professionals. As a naturally curious person herself, Elena has observed that you can't be speaking more than you're listening if you're going to learn what you need to know about your prospects and their businesses. You have to ask those insight-seeking questions and then truly pay attention to their answers in order to discover whether your product or service is a good fit for their needs. Our two podcast hosts, Corey Frank and Chris Beal, totally agree with Elena that the best way to establish a good relationship with your sales prospect is with an inquiring mind, not a sales pitch. Curious about what else these three have to say? Listen to today's Market Dominance Guys episode, Do You Have an Inquiring Mind? And we're here again, Chris. The Market Dominance Guys podcast is on the air. Welcome to our fabulous guest that we have in the seat today, Elena Hess, who's the Vice President of Operations over at Thompson Reuters, the behemoth that is Thompson, <laughs> worldwide force that is Thompson Reuters. And Elena hails from somewhere on the hand in the, not the Uber on Michigan, but somewhere over right there. there. So, That's right. Absolutely. We're pleased to have you as always. My name is Corey Franken. We have the the Duke of Dials, the Prophet of Prophet. We have the CEO of Connected Cell. My pal, Chris Beal. So Chris, welcome once again to the Market Dominance. Guys, another great recording with an incredible guest here that we've lined up for today. The guest who has the best quote I have heard in my entire business career. So What is that, Chris? And as you know, I've heard a lot of stuff and I said a lot of stuff and I don't forget very many things. Okay, all right. Pen in hand. What's the quote? Pen in hand. Well, we'll tell you the quote later, but hey, we missed you on the episode with James Townsend. I was going solo. But some people say it's acceptable, but now we're in the real deal. So, Elena, this is just like beyond thrilling to, to be here with you. This is- Your expectations are kind of low. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not, not at all. Thompson Reuters, again, is just a, just a beast in the industry. He's been there for a while. Looks like you've had quite a stellar career over there. But I have to ask, what kind of rundown gin joint did you stumble into to meet a guy like Chris Beal for him to lasso? you as a guest on the Market Dominance, guys. Well, I wish I had a fancy story. I will say that I was walking the aisles of our sales team when Chris was in the office to get us started on Connect and Sell mm-hmm. and um, got introduced to him there. And we just started chatting up, which I love people. And Chris is easy to love because he's got a lot of stories to tell. And I was fascinated with Connect and Sell and just the whole concept. So one of my good things, bad things, I don't know. I'm super curious and probably asked a million questions is probably my MO. Because oh, I always sure. like to know how things work. And he explained a lot of that to me. So that's how it all began. We need a gin joint, Chris, to meet up. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's my version of the story. Who's the person running the show that day for us? April, right? April, yeah. Yeah. So April Welliver. So we're in the hands of April, who's just incredible, wonderfully organized. This is one of the cleanest test drives. And you know, we do these test drives, right? The full production, full day, crazy things happen in them. In fact, the biggest one we ever did was actually at Thompson Reuters down in Texas. The day after Christmas once, we did 108 people in a test drive. 
Wow. And it was just like fly on Christmas day and go down there and have, and it was more fun than is right to have. But this one, here we are. And I hide in the conference room because I don't want to disturb the action on the floor. So my people are doing that. I only had one people at that moment. And so I'm hanging out in the conference room and I'm just doing things, making calls and sending emails and doing whatever. And April walks in and says, hey, 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 hey. I go, what? She says, you've got to meet Elena. I said, she's the boss. She's the budget holder. I go, oh, budget holder. Got it. <laughs> so, so I go walk out on the floor and you got to picture this. There's reps on the right or left. It kind of depends on how you see in Zoom and both sides, right? And there's an aisle straight down the middle. So she's walking to me. I'm walking toward her and it's loud. It's like your floor. It's like branch 49. It's loud. And, and I'm looking at the, the numbers and there's 26 meetings that have been set in one hour and 55 minutes. And so stuff is happening. So I walk up to Elena, we get about 12 feet apart. And I says, so Elena, what are your thoughts? And she says, and this is the best quote in the history of business from my experience. She <laughs> says, and I have this word for word. I did not forget a word. Chris, I have no thoughts. I have tears of joy in my eyes. You have turned my silent library into a sales floor. <laughs> that, that is the famous Elena. Okay. You've mentioned that quote several oh. times over, over the years. I have, Now I can actually wow. put a name and a face with that quote. Yes, the library, the famous library quote. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I cried. <laughs> and I do again. I, it really, it, 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 uh, because we're on this, as you know, this market dominance mission, right? And we're always just kind of doing these test drives, hoping to resonate with a team and a leader that really want to dominate and do it right. I don't mean like dominate in a mean way. I mean, like, you know, what we mean trust-based, high-velocity, trust-based market dominance. And it was like, holy moly, what she just said was a better way of stating our mission and what we understood we were doing than we had ever said. And that's, you know, we've been at this for years. It's not like we just started, this is easy stuff. So I still, Elena, I hold that quote in my heart. Well, you're very sweet. I appreciate it. I wish I could have told you what I said. <laughs> that's my I job to remember. Just say a lot of things. <laughs> but it's so poetic and it's such a thing. It's like you turned, my, it was yours. I love the proprietary nature. You turned my silent library into a sales floor. <laughs> and I, well, I mean, at the end of the day, right? If, if we're not talking, if we're not communicating, we're not selling. And I will say this, that may be controversial. I have no idea. Right now, what we're seeing all over the industry, including Thomson Reuters, and there's positive intent here and there's good things here, but it's the move to digital and trying to get as many eyeballs as possible out on the websites and draw them in and digitally satisfy a buyer or a prospect's needs. And my personal opinion is that's great. But at the end of the day, I don't think I'm any different than most of the buyers and prospects. And I want to talk to a person when I want to figure out the nuances of what's going on. And that matters. In, in a world that's going heavy digital, I want us to have really quality conversations. And if people are responding to the tool sets that you have, certainly that gets them in the door, then I think sales reps 
really good ones get it done. So thank you, because I know we still use, that was a few years ago and uh, Connect and Sell is still being used today. So that's a big testament to you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've been through a lot of changes. You guys have reorged a lot of ways. There's been a lot that's that's gone on. Robert Beatty once said to me, he was taking me to the airport somewhere in San Diego. And he said, do you realize our COO's office has a whiteboard at the, and we're doing this big reorg and the only words on the whiteboard are intelligent cross-sell using Connect and Sell. And he said, those words have sat there for months and months and months. Because to me, what was so exciting about your organization in particular was it was the classic cross-sell opportunity because you, you're coming in with my pay and here, yeah. you know, here's something that could be sold a lot of different ways. You could go sell yeah. it direct. You could do all manner of things, but you also have this big tax and accounting organization and the idea of channelizing through those, those customers and doing that as an upsell. And it's a very modern upsell because ultimately it comes down to the usage. It's not just like, here's a transaction. Now we got your money, right? right, right? So right. it's very, very modern. It's like yes. what my fiance, Helen does. She runs customer success for those Microsoft products that you think are Microsoft products, right? And, and including the power apps and stuff like that. And ultimately customer success is all about helping folks succeed and the economics come through the usage. And this cross-sell play, post M&A, nobody cross-sells. They say they're going to, it's in the docs, right? Like, why did we buy this company? Why did we merge? Well, we're going to do this cross-sell. And I was, I was hard over on that at Thomson Reuters because I saw this company that had done a divestiture. And after a divestiture, you always have, I'll call them, uh, there's organizational stresses that occur after a divestiture. And you can never get rid of the overhead as fast as you got rid of the revenue. That's the main thing. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> right? So you've loosed a wolf in your house. So then it's like, oh, do I have to feed you? <laughs> this is kind of <laughs> interesting. And so I thought, wow, this is the best I've ever seen because it's also a really, really cleanly run company to promote the idea of cross-sell without cross-training mm-hmm. where you, you disaggregate the first conversation from the expertise and then put them back together in order to get the customer to be able to trust and move forward. And mm-hmm. so it's still my number one example of all time of modern conversation enabled cross sell still goes on every day. I look every day at the numbers and listen to conversations and it's my entertainment, you know, as I said, there's no work to be done. I'm a CEO, right? It's like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we have a delightful relationship. It took five years to create. I don't know if you ever heard the story, Alan, of how it went down, but I was at a conference and every year I would ask, it's an executive retreat, AAISP, and every year I'd ask, uh, Rob, I'd, I'd go by him on the way to something at the end of the conference and say, can you make your next year's number without connected cell? And every year he would say yes. And then in 2017, I think it was, or 18, I said, can you make, I think it was 17, I said, can you make 2018 without connected cell? I'm on my way to the dessert bar. And he says, nope. And I said, okay, test drive next Tuesday. And he said, got it. That's awesome. And it took five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always funny when people ask, how long is the sales cycles? Like it all depends, <laughs> you know, on any product, on anything. It's, it's so right. hard to do that. Well, but- the sales cycle is, uh, to your point, Elena, if the sales cycle is digital. <laughs> it may take a little bit longer than conversations. You had, you had just said a few minutes ago, right, that this trend in the digital world right away from conversation, certainly, right? Chris and I have, have talked a lot about that over the years, 
And we still see that. I mean, there's great tools out there, the outreaches of the world that can nurture. But, but Chris, you were on a podcast just recently, and somebody snared this infographic from the residue of your brain. And you want to talk about this because, Ellen, I don't know if you've kind of heard Chris's dissertation on the math of why conversations matter more so than just digital. No, I have not. Is there a summary you can share with me? This is the summary is pretty simple. And it's what you said. As a buyer, you need to talk to a human being to get through the nuances. And I'll make a claim. You also need to talk to them to de-risk the situation. That is, if you were to go do the research all by yourself, mm-hmm. you're taking the risk that you're not an expert and somebody mm-hmm. else is, right? The seller is always the expert. You're always the generalist as the buyer. There's career risk, right? You're a very, oh, sure. very... You're a deeply embedded player at Thomson Reuters, but even you, if you screwed up and bought the wrong thing and it hurt the company, it would hurt your career. Yeah. And many times the people that are investigating the digital plays out there are not the final decision maker. So you're collecting that information to offer up to a final decision maker. So you're right on the career more so. Like if I'm an, an owner and I'm doing that to myself, well, then I'm doing that to myself. But but many people are serving that up to their bosses, right? To make a recommendation. And that is a reflection. And really right before this conversation, I was um, in need of a, a chat with a, a colleague, just as an example. And there were emails that went back and forth that I wanted to have a conversation about because I knew that if we continued the emails or the Teams chat, that one, we'd be doing it forever. And yep. two, you lose really the background um, intangibles as to what we needed to discuss that you can't always capture in a word, especially without facial expression and body language. And I think that's super important still to this day. And But, you know, I will say this, there's a place for digital. Absolutely. I think we were in a world that it was all sales rep, personal touch. If I didn't dial you, you didn't know about me. And now we're trying to get to this digital play where you can buy without talking to someone. Neither one of those is the answer. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. It's here. It's here somewhere here. And the science and the art of where in that pendulum it needs to swing is something we are still figuring out. And the good news is we're trying to figure it out, right? I agree deeply. So what this is about, by the way, Ellen, is super simple, which is the trust piece of the relationship building is something that requires a huge amount of information that's not the information about product. It's a, the first order question is, do I trust you enough that I would put my career in your hands? 
Right. That's the real question, right? When we're buying for ourselves, I always make this comparison. If I buy a Tesla and I, I spend $70,000 on a Tesla because I want a kind of good one, right? It's like a mid-range mm -hmm. Tesla. And I buy it and I bring it home and I discover after driving it for a couple of days that unbeknownst to me, no doctor has ever told me this, I'm allergic to electricity. And being close to electricity gives me hives. And it's wow. like, oh my God, right? So I got to dump this Tesla and I got to get it out of my life. And so I dump the Tesla and I'm out 10,000 bucks. So now I'm out 10,000 bucks. And as you said, I'm, but I'm the owner of my own life, right? So I bought the Tesla for me. Now I buy that same Tesla for the company and it's going to fulfill a very important mission in our, say, supply chain. So mm -hmm. our company, you know, I don't know, we do something with eggs and we got to have a vehicle to transport eggs. And then, you know, I get this Tesla and it electrocutes the eggs and makes them unusable. And, you know, the Tesla salesperson, I never talked to him, right? I just went online and I click, click, click. And I, I didn't realize, oh, there was something the salesperson could have told me, which is, don't use this thing to transport eggs. By the way, folks, I just made that up. Teslas were <laughs> fine for, for transporting eggs and you cannot get hives from them. Uh, Elon, I, I'm sorry I said all of that, but you're a funny <laughs> dude too, so I can say stuff and get away with it. I will not tweet any of that, I guarantee you. So anyway, the point is we need to get trust as the seller mm -hmm. and trust. And, and this is what Chris Voss told, taught me. So Mr. Never Split the Difference, I asked him one night, how long do we have to get trust in a cold call? And he said, seven seconds. And I said, seven seconds, wow. Uh, uh, our research says eight seconds. And he said, your research is wrong, it's seven seconds. <laughs> oh, got it, okay. So what do we have to do in those seven seconds? He says, oh, that's easy. All we have to do is show the other party, we see the world through their eyes, we call it tactical empathy, and demonstrate to them we are competent to solve a problem they have right now. And I said, well, isn't the problem they have right now, me? And he said, bingo, that's why you're in control. You own the cold call because you are the problem. And therefore you can offer to solve the problem. And if you say the right things in the right tone, you will get trust. And I asked him, how long will that trust last? And he said, the lifetime, as long as you don't blow it. And when you think about the problem of B2B, the top of 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 the funnel, is that seven seconds to get trust. And I asked him what happens after eight seconds. He says, no chance, you're done. We have to replace you as the, as the seller. You fail to get trust, you will never be trust. So when you think about it from that perspective, which is what this 130 episode podcast is about, this is the book Corey wanted me to write. And it's, it's like, wow. So digital is great then, as long as we have trust. So how many bits of information does it take to get trust? Well, it takes about 600,000 bits of information to really get trust. To get, to get trust without a person? Is that what you're to saying? To get trust at all, right? Your brain is a, has to consume a huge amount of information mm -hmm. before you go, you know, I think we're going to let these Vikings into the village, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you got to know a lot about them Vikings before you're going to do it, or you got to meet a Viking that you trust, right? One or the other. Right. I mean, it's like, that's how it works. So it's like, hmm. I have an issue if I try to go digital first, because oddly it doesn't have enough information. So an email contains eh, a few thousand bits, right? 5,000 bits in an email. So I've got to get you to read 120 emails in a focused way to get to 600,000 bits, which is a 30 second human conversation. 
And that to me is the core of the problem is our brains are wired for involuntary trust and it takes a huge amount of information and we don't have enough time in digital land to do it. And who's going to read 120 emails? I mean, it's, it's not right. going to happen. But a lot of people will listen to seven seconds of a conversation and then let you go ahead with the next 27 seconds. And then you have a relationship. Now send them the email. Right. Great point. Great point. I mean, I read a book once called The Speed of Trust. Are you familiar with that? I love that book. Yeah, I love it too. And I think it's the essence of how good business is done. I can get a lot farther, faster when I trust who I'm dealing with. And in a world of over-information, misguided information on every aspect, not just buying something, but the news, everything, when you know that you we're in a space where trusting data is not guaranteed because even the source is at question. I want to be able to trust that information. And that's based on the person that I can look straight in the eye and say, Hey, I'm listening. I believe in what you're saying. Tell me the truth. And then if you do, boom, we can go. Right. Um, So, yeah, I think it's more important today than it was 10 years ago. I think it's everything. And I think that folks don't get it because I call it Gresham's law of of business communication. So, you know, Gresham's law of money says bad money, counterfeit money drives out good money because when the bad money's in circulation, well, the good money goes and hides because you can use the bad money, right? Right, right. right. Bad digital communication, because it's cheap, it's counterfeit in a fundamental way, which is with money, with coin back in the day, what was interesting about counterfeits was the cost of goods was low. You made them out of cheap metal and then you passed them off as the good stuff. Well, digital is always cheap. It's not cheap to design, it's cheap to disseminate. Mm -hmm. So you can flood the market. If I can send you one email, I can send you two. If I can send you one, I can send you and Corey the same one. Mm -hmm. If I can have a bot that goes in and says, Elena and Corey, I can pretend I'm personalizing. If I can have that bot look up on LinkedIn something and say, hey, I see that, some, I got one yesterday. Uh, I, I love your volunteer work at Live Earth Farm. It's like, what? Now I don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. You were there when we the sheep? <laughs> I don't trust you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a deal. It's real. It, and it goes beyond selling. And I know this is about selling, but I think that comment just goes beyond selling. And unfortunately, for salespeople or organizations, we suffer at the hands of the the larger digital play being untrustworthy. Because already salespeople, let's face it, have to overcome, you're just trying to sell me something, right? (laughs) Communication's powerful. It's powerful and how we use it is how we're gonna get something out of it. Be careful for what you use and how you use it, right? Well, and I think sequence really counts. It's ironic that these cadence and sequence tools actually promote something that is called a sequence or a cadence, which is true, it is. Do this, then do this, then do this, wait this long, blah, blah, blah. But there's a funny thing about it, which is that the sequence of operations in the sequence, the easier one is start with an email. But the only one that's known to work is start with a conversation and none of the sequence tools have built into them start with a conversation. They have start with a dial, but a dial is like, you know, a breeze blowing through the woods. It means nothing. A dial's like I walk by, say I was interested in Helen back in the day, right? I'm still very interested in her and we plan to get married. <laughs> stuff. But, you know, say that was my goal, right? And I, and I know, know a bar that she frequents and she likes to drink Manhattans. 
But instead of going in and talking to her, I just walk by. That's like a dial. I walk by on the outside. I didn't talk to her. But I go, oh, I, I activity. It was a touch. That's what we call it. The irony of the whole digital thing is we send something to somebody that they ignore and we call it a touch. Right. And, and it doesn't make any sense. It, does it? it doesn't make sense, but it's the core of the entire sequencing revolution. And we teach people something that when they do it, they go, oh, my digital is 14 times better. And it really is 14 times better. It just, just start with a conversation. Yeah. Pretty yeah. easy, right? Yeah. Except, of course, you got to get conversations. It's our business. But start with a conversation. Voila, that there's the magic subject line that changes everything about email. Thank you for our conversation today. Right. Boom. Right. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think any one particular digital play is bad. It's just how we are. Let's figure out the best way to use them. You know, I mean, a hammer looks stupid when you have a screw. So, I mean, you, know, you, hammer. <laughs> you ever try to drink a cup of, co of coffee out of a hammer too? Yeah, it no, really works better. Just drip, drip, drip all over the place. <laughs> so, so Elena, you have thoughts. What are your thoughts? You know, I'm I'm curious because you've been at Thompson for a long time, right? Thompson is, is known as you know it's, it's a top shelf sales organization, has been for years, right? Recruits the best talent, and acquired all these companies over the years. You probably had a a front row seat to see ridiculous amounts of talents, particularly in the inside sales teams, all the different divisions from the Thompson learning to the taxation and, and uh, the other great subsidies. What do you see makes an uncommonly great salesperson that maybe they don't have the pedigree or the LinkedIn, but mm -hmm. a fisherman knows another fisherman, you know that this person, because you're you're a mentor over there at Thompson, right? Certainly in the, the leadership mm -hmm. role that you play. So yeah. what are those that residue, maybe unseen by the common person that you, you, you know this person is going to ascend to a higher rank? What are those traits that you look for inside sales specifically? Sure. This is going to sound like I've been prepared for this question, and I, I did not know you were going to ask me this question, but I actually have an acronym that I've used for years, and if you'd like, I'm happy to share it. And I've tweaked it a little bit over the years, but I honestly believe this acronym is true for a salesperson. It's true for any professional, but I will focus on sales if I could. So I call it the ACE sales rep, A-C-E. So it's an acronym and there's two words for each letter. So if you would, you know, don't mind me going here. I, I know acronyms can get old, but it helps me. So for A, I think a great salesperson has a wonderful attitude, not an attitude that's only good when I'm winning, but an attitude that's there when I'm losing and knowing I have to bounce back. So actually what I'm going to do is I'll list out the names of the, the things and then I'll come back to how I look at it. So attitude is one. Accountability is the second A. Okay. I'm going to skip over C and go to E. Effort, effectiveness. And I consider those rotating on the axis of the C in two ways, consistency and curiosity. So when I say that, back to my attitude and accountability, if you're not consistently having a more positive attitude than not, then you're going to fail because we hear no's more than we hear yeses. And you've got to be self-regulated to understand that both things are going to happen and stay steady. Okay. Accountability is simple. If you're going to say it, do it. 
it's on you. Your quote is yours. Yes, someone gives you the quota, but it's done with reasonableness like 95% of the time. You'd need to be able to own that, right? Let's go to effort in regards to consistency. In the world that I came from, in the beginning of my life, I started as a sales rep at Thomson Reuters. It used to be called Creative Solutions. Mm. The same thing holds true then that holds true today. In effort, it's for us, it was all about dialing, right? Making the calls, making the calls. But effort is seen in lots of things. It's how much are you there? Are you leaning in? Are you being here now? Are you showing effort in what you're doing? Or are you coming up with excuses? And then effectiveness. So that kind of ties to effort in a way, because we would have people that would say, I made 50 dials, right? But if you're making 50 dials and you're not selling, then you're not effective. So how are you figuring out how to make that effort pay off? So all of those things are kind of on this axis of consistency. And at the end of the day, if I had to pick one of those as my number one, it would be curiosity. If you're not curious, you're not going to be a good sales rep. Sorry. You need to be curious enough to know what someone else's problems are and to figure out if you can solve it. You can't be speaking more than you're listening. You have to be a discovery person and you have to be uniquely and authentically interested. I think I'm very curious. And I certainly, when I was a sales rep, I had my successes, but I think curiosity has helped me through all of my different phases in life, personally and professionally. So yeah, if I meet somebody that I'll make a statement and they don't ask me why, what, how, they don't want to know more, then why are you going to do that with a sales opportunity? Uh, Probably a long-winded answer. That was Um, a good answer. and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. never miss an episode, go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.